I am your father. This is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Touche, my nigga. Touche. Yo, what to do what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you are listening to the Established 1984 podcast, man. Episode 41. Hmm. Damn. First of all, I'd like to acknowledge the fact that I got a shit ton of, uh, shit ton of episodes in the can, man. Started this thing, what, last, last January, February, somewhere in there. And who would have thought that, you know, almost a year in, I'd have 41 episodes. It it, it honestly is crazy to me. Um, It's been crazy, the reception. It's been crazy, the perception. Um, The whole process has just been completely amazing to me in a way that, you know, I never, I never anticipated that this was going to turn into all of this. That this would be something that would resonate with folks, that would do numbers, that the SoundCloud numbers would be great, that I would get uh, compliments on my presentation, uh, the quality, things like that. And the quality has definitely gotten better as time has gone on. As I've done more and more episodes, I think the quality has gotten better and better, and I'm proud of that because I pride myself on not not presenting something in a manner that I wouldn't find to be appropriate or wouldn't meet my own expectations. So I'm proud of what I've been able to accomplish with this uh with this podcast. So that being said, guys, I um this is a no features episode, man, because um like I've told you guys in the past, what this podcast is about is, you know, at its core, it represents uh, Duval hip hop and Duval music and things like that. And we chronicle the history of significant cultural influencers in that regard. But we also hit other cultural influencers as well, um, whether that's in psychology, whether that's in, you know, other realms of entertainment or whatever the case might be. We, we try to cover all of those things and kind of chronicle people. But then every once in a while, I try to do episodes that are important to me. So, you know, there's stuff in the can that talks about my dad and and things like that. And so every once in a while, I just kind of do a no features episode. So this this episode, episode 41, is going to be entitled No Features. And it's just going to talk about, you know, me doing a little bit of shit, talking a little bit of rambling the way that you guys are probably being used to me doing over time. Now, you know, um, a lot of people have been wondering where I've been at, what's been going on, why there haven't been that many episodes recently. Well, um, for those of you who got a chance to listen to a couple of episodes back, uh, when Superman becomes human, um, you got a chance to find a lot out a little bit about my dad, Willie Jacobs, um, who he is, what he represents, what he's meant to my life and things like that. And currently what he's going through dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. Um, his birthday was August the 17th. He turned 70 and, um, the, not that, that weekend, but the following weekend, my mother had, um, had his birthday party or a celebration of, of his life and his contributions to, to, you know, a bunch of other people's lives. Um, for a lot of people who don't know my father, my father, um, was born in Arlington, Georgia. He, um, he pretty much is a native of Jacksonville, Florida. He grew up in Blodgett, um, you know, uh, and has pretty much been there his whole life. Um, so we got an opportunity to really sit down. Um, you know, you had, you know, several people. I mean, I don't want to exaggerate and say 100, but I wouldn't be surprised if the number was was somewhere in that in that area of folks that came out to his birthday celebration. Um we all just kind of sat around and uh, there was a program that my sister shout out to my sister, Candace Jacobs Armstrong, who put the program together um, where people came out and they got opportunity to kind of stand up and speak. I think uh, probably one of the most moving uh, speeches was done by one of his high school friends who talked about how, you know, when they went to college together and after college, um, the man was uh, was trying to, uh, I guess, try to get a job to be able to take care of his family. And, but he didn't have anywhere to stay, and his family was staying in a, uh, in a couple of cities away from him. And my dad housed this guy until he was able to get uh, get his job situated and everything like that. And I think one of the most moving things of the night was when the guy started to break down into tears. And, um, 
you know, he said Jake, because everybody called my dad Jake back in the day, you know, um, he said, Jake, I just want to thank you for what you did for me because you didn't have to do that. And, you know, right in the middle of the guy's speech, my dad goes, you're my friend, you know, and I think that was uh, terribly moving to a lot of people. I think it meant a great deal to a lot of folks. So it was a great uh, it was a great celebration. I was proud of uh, of what I was able to do. I'll actually take this episode of the podcast and um, I'll put it up on YouTube and then I'll attach to the back end of uh, of this version of the podcast. I'll attach the um, the video uh, that we did recognizing my dad. So you guys can get a chance to kind of look at that, um, see who he was and who he who he continues to be even in the midst of this battle with Alzheimer's and, and and hopefully you can kind of get an appreciation for him in the same way that I have uh, a tremendous appreciation for him. Um, it was crazy because um, initially I didn't think that I was going to get down there. There were, there were some financial issues and things like that. Um, I ended up leaving on a Thursday night um, from uh, Dallas, Texas to drive all the way back to Jacksonville, Florida. So you can imagine what that's like. I actually slept at a uh at a rest stop. I you know, laid down the seats in my truck and um and just uh slept in the back of the the back of my SUV just so that I could get a couple of hours of sleep and get down there to see my dad and everything like that. And he seemed pretty happy to see me and I obviously was very happy to see him. Happy to see my mom, happy to see my sisters, things like that, happy to see my nephews. You are huge, man. Um, it's just, it's amazing the, the men that they are becoming and, um, I'm terribly proud of them. And it's just, it's one of those situations now where I, I recognize at, at 33 years old that, um, I'm responsible, um, you know, for a lot of people in ways that I never really anticipated that I would be responsible for anybody else. Um, you know, whether they recognize that I have that responsibility or not, I, I recognize, uh, you know, through my own eyes that, you know, I am, I am now accountable uh, to and for a lot of people in ways that I never imagined, you know, five years ago, let alone 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I was just worried about, you know, getting up on some pussy and, you know, doing my own thing. So lo and behold, now I'm, you know, I'm looking at my mom and I'm saying, okay, you know, my mom is looking for a certain level of direction and assistance and support from me. Um, you know, I I have a responsibility to play the role that, you know, you know, there are some challenges now in my dad being able to play that male that male role for our for our family. Um and, you know, I gotta step up. I have to be I have to be Mr. Jacobs in certain capacities now. And um, I'm sure that many of you who know me personally know that that's not something that I've ever really been prepared to do. Um, many of you have known me for an extended period of time who have ever seen my dad and I in the same room. If you hear someone say, Mr. Jacobs, I don't move. I just kind of assume that they're talking to him and that, you know, we're in a world now where that's slowly starting to change. And, you know, that's challenging and it's, uniquely different than anything that I had experienced up to this point. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of taking it day by day. Um, it is not something that's, that's easy for me to do. Um, but you do what you have to do because you're responsible to and for your family. And, um, that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. But the, the birthday party was a huge success. Shout out to everybody from the Northside Church of Christ in Jacksonville, Florida, who, uh, came out and pretty much handled a, a lot of the kitchen duties for my mom. Um, my mom got a chance to just sort of sit down and kind of enjoy the experience with her husband. So that was a that was exciting. Um, it was a great thing to see all of my aunts, Auntie Bunny, Auntie Novella, Auntie Barbara, everybody from Gainesville, Florida, who came out. Um, you know, folks who my dad uh, trained in the weightlifting program at Gainesville High School back in the seventies. Um, you know, coming and talking about him and his contributions to their lives and things like that. It's just, you get a real sense in moments like this to, of, of what someone actually means to you and to other people and their impact on folks' lives. And my dad has made a, a huge imprint on a lot of different people's lives. Um, 
that being said, I'd be remiss if I didn't address uh, something that I, that also frustrated me. Um, I did walk away a little bit disheartened after uh, after his uh, birthday party, not with the birthday party itself uh, or really anybody in attendance per se. Um, I think I was mostly disappointed by, um, you know, folks who, you know, claim to be friends or, you know, family who say that, oh, yeah, um, you know, your dad meant so much to me. I respect him so much and all this other kind of shit. And, you know, we reached out to folks and asked folks to do videos and things like that for his birthday. And they said, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. And I'm happy to do it. Your, your dad's such a great guy and all this kind of stuff. And motherfuckers just didn't do them. They didn't do them. They didn't call and say, hey, B, you know, things are getting hectic. I'm not going to be able to, yada, 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 that kind of stuff. I can respect that. I may not even agree with the, with whatever your explanation is, but to just not do it at all and a motherfucker got to chase you down about it and ask you questions like, yo, what's going on? Like, that's some pussy shit to me. And, and it just, this whole process kind of revealed to me who some of my real friends are. You know what I'm saying? Like, they some selfish, some people are just some selfish motherfuckers because when it comes down to it, like, when a, when a lot of motherfuckers ask me for some shit, you know, they ask me, hey, yo, B, can you do a flyer? Hey, yo, B, can you write an article? Hey, yo, B, can you write a bio? Hey, yo, B, can you work on my fucking MySpace page? Or shit like that. These niggas will, will ask that kind of shit and have asked that kind of shit out of me. But I asked them to do one little thing for me. They say, yeah, I love, respect your dad, whoop, whoop, and all this kind of shit. And then the motherfucker's nowhere to be found, but I'm supposed to still act like we cool? No, nigga, we not cool. I'm not that type of nigga. I'm not the type of nigga to pretend and, and be on some hokey shit like, yeah, everything's all cool, because it's not. It's not fucking cool. Now, we too old to be around here fist fighting about some shit like this, because that's some, that's some petty hoe shit. But what I will tell you is I have the one thing that I do not do and I have no reason to do it at 33 years old, is pretend like I'm all right with some shit a motherfucker do. So, if you've seen me have an attitude, if you saw me remove you from my Facebook and Instagram, because I don't want to be fucked up with you, nigga. Period. Because if you don't respect my father, and you don't respect me, and you don't respect my relationship enough, to at least have the common courtesy to call, say you can't do something, apologize after the fact, and nothing, we ain't got nothing to talk about. I ain't trying to hear no excuses, no explanations. No, fuck your excuses or fuck your explanations. Because this nigga's that, like, I'm cool with, I rock with family members that, you know, I have relationships with, but I'm not, like, super close with them who, you know what I'm saying, I hit them up and ask them to do it. Just like that. Done. Done. Because all it was was, like, a minute, 15, 20 seconds or something like that. And send it over. Boom. No problem. Done. So when I hear people tell me, and people do this shit all the time about everything, whether it's been events, programming, whether it's uh, whether it's stuff like this, a variety of things, motherfuckers will always give you an explanation about why they can't do some shit. And when you call a nigga on their shit, they be quick to pick up their kids and put them right in front of them like a like a bulletproof vest. You know, like that's the that's the one thing I can't stand about niggas. Don't use your family as an explanation about why you ain't do some shit. That's not to say that your family isn't a responsibility that you have, but you need to be honest with yourself about whether or not that is a real rationalization or whether or not you're using your children or your family as a crutch to justify why you ain't do some shit. Period. And then, even if that was the case, even if that's a legitimate situation, damn, my nigga, pick up the phone and call somebody or fucking apologize. You know what I'm saying? But 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 that seems to be a consistent with folks. When you try to put their feet to the fire about some shit that they didn't do, they got all the explanations in the world about why they didn't do it and why you don't have a right to be mad. No, fuck that. I'm mad, nigga. You do you. I'm believe me. I'm gonna continue to do me because this house still gonna get paid for. I'm still gonna have to go to work on Monday, so on and so forth. So I say all that to say, man, I'm I'm happy and I'm thankful and I'm appreciative to all the folks who who show love to my dad. And if you ain't respect my father enough, you don't respect me. So fuck you, nigga. Straight like that. So 
It is what it is. Outside of that, um, uh, other other things I've been working on. Um, really proud of a lot of what we've been able to do with uh, with Black Alumni Weekend. Um, shout out to Ike. Shout out to Jonathan. Shout out to Jasmine. Shout out to Edith. Um, you know, uh, Roderica with the amazing marketing that she's been doing. Uh, Curtis, uh, you know. Uh, everybody who who is uh you know Shanette of course Maisha, um you know everybody who has um been working on the uh working on the marketing campaign, um you know it is uh it can be challenging you know trying to you know curate something that I think represents not just uh, one group or one club or one organization, um, but, but represents the entire black and brown body. Shout out to D as well from, uh, Sigma Lambda Gamma. Um, you know, she's also on the committee as well. Um, it, it can be challenging, um, trying to figure out a way to appropriately curate, uh, a concept or a collection of events that, that is powerful and means something, to everybody and I'm proud of what we've been able to create. Um I'm uh, I'm excited about what the next few months will bring. Um you know, it's uh you know, for those of you who don't know, UNF Black Alumni Weekend came out of a conversation amongst a bunch of Greeks about wanting to help uh regenerate interest for our organizations on uh, UNF's campus as alumni. What way could we figure out how to support? That turned into a group me, which turned into a Facebook group, which now has uh, over 800 people in it, constantly um, gaining information about programming and events that are going on. Um, there's a group me in place for uh, UNF undergraduate leadership um, where I'm able to correspond with, uh, with uh, the undergraduate leadership to find out what they have going on on campus, find out what ways from an alumni perspective we can provide support. Um, obviously, transmit our uh, transmit their events down to uh, the alumni body. And if there's a program or an event that alumni may be able to come out to and support, you know, they're aware of of the events. And we, we present all of that in a centralized location. Um about this time last year, we created the uh, website, UNFBlackAlumniWeekend.com, which now has been kind of diversified and has grown into this kind of um, giant center for for information and for paraphernalia and, and all that kind of stuff. We have a, a really great uh, site in place for, um, you know, information and um, and obviously for merchandise, the Black Alumni Weekend shop. And all of the all of the events, all of the merchandise that's sold, all of that stuff, uh, proceeds are going back to the Umana American Dream Scholarship. Uh, shout out to Obi, um, and uh, the scholarship is named after his mother. Um, and I'm just I'm just excited about what all all of this brings. Now, um, it can be challenging. Uh, much like anything else as far as, you know, making sure that that everybody is properly represented and the marketing is in tune with what the the body wants represented. Uh, but I, I welcome the I welcome the challenge and I welcome um, I welcome the thoughts and perspectives of obviously our committee as a whole who. Um, you know, I spearhead a lot of things, but I am, um, I am by far not the, the leader or the, the guy, the, you know, I just tried to try to navigate the information, um, being on the board of directors for the alumni association, you try to find, um, try to find the best way to navigate, um, transmitting out information to, to everybody, um, information that maybe black and brown folks didn't regularly have. And I think sometimes that's why I end up kind of giving off or, or the impression is made that, that this is something that, that that's focused around, around me. But, um, 
you know, we have a, a large committee who I think uh, is diverse and unique and who is constantly communicating with me and I'm communicating with them on how we can best, you know, represent everybody, um, you know, through all of our different social media platforms that, um, you know, we all have access to, um, you know, provide, you know, those diverse uh, streams of communication to folks. So um, we try to diversify things and, you know, committee members are constantly logging into the different social media platforms to, you know, provide different perspectives of of narratives and support and communication and engagement. And it was, it's, it's exciting to see how this has grown just over the past year. And we're excited to see where it goes. Um, right now, it looks like everything is pretty much on a roll. There's a couple of things that still need to be bolted down. But for the most part, um, you know, ticket, the ticket sales have begun. That seems to be coming in steadily. And I'm I'm just excited about about what all that's going to bring, because long term, my goal, uh, my aspiration from my perspective, and I think I can speak for the rest of the committee is um, is to see us have equal uh, and, and appropriate, um, you know, imprint and engagement with the Alumni Association and perhaps uh, some sort of uh, a formal partnership above and beyond you know, just having, you know, one of the committee members or two with Shanette as well on the board of directors for the Alumni Association. So like a legitimate uh, subcommittee, if you will, that that is kind of like the Black Alumni Association, if you will. I think that that's the that's the long term goal. That's what we would like to see happen. And um, and just continued engagement and involvement from um, the rest of the alumni body. You know, uh, something like this is much bigger than any of us. Uh, this is alumni. You know, the the goal should be for uh, Black Alumni Weekend to exist, you know, separate and apart five years from now when, when Brandon Jacobs is no longer involved. It, it should exist with a diverse group of new, young, influential thinkers that are pushing the pushing the agenda forward and ensuring that um, that black and brown people at the University of North Florida are properly represented while they're there as undergraduates and uh, their voices are heard after graduation as alumni. And that programming is created on both levels that provides the appropriate engagement for the uh, the history, the culture of black and brown people. So. Excited about all of that, excited about what all that, that can bring in, and looking forward to the future. Now, outside of that, personally, um, you know, a lot of people have heard me talk about it on my social media. If you've been looking and things like that, the other thing that's kind of kept me away for the last couple of weeks has been um, planning for this 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 uh, trip. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm I'm actually going to Japan. I'm going to Japan on um, I leave on uh, September the 21st. Um, won't get there till the 22nd. It's a long ass flight. I've got to fly from Dallas to Vancouver and from Vancouver to Japan. Um, I'm actually going for the Tokyo, uh, Tokyo gaming show, a video game expo that they have in, um, in Tokyo, Japan every year. And, um, it's funny because I went into my, um, my old senior book and I talked about, you know, what I was going to be doing, where would I be living? And I, you know, in that book, I said, I'd be living in Los Angeles and Japan. I also said that I was going to be a video game designer. <laughs> it's crazy because my black ass couldn't read. I wasn't really programming anymore when I graduated, but um, when I graduated from high school, but lo and behold, you know, it, it may have taken me all of this time, but, you know, I finally put together the opportunity to, you know, pursue one of my dreams and, you know, a little bit over a week and a half from now, I'll be experiencing something that I think very few people get the opportunity to experience. And that's seeing a culture that is completely different from my own. Um, it's just that at 33 years old, I came to the conclusion that, you know what? I don't want to continue to waste life sitting around talking about what I could have done. I mean, what's the point in that? You know what I mean? Like, what's the point in 
talking about what you could do, where you want it, where you could go, what you could see, or being concerned about whether or not uh, where you want to go and the things you want to see is black enough. Because that was something that I think I was always a little bit hesitant to I was a little bit hesitant to pursue some of the things I was interested in because I didn't feel like I that was black enough. And, you know, I, I just don't give a shit anymore. I don't give a shit if it's not black enough. I don't give a shit if black folks like what I do. You know, I, I give a fuck about what I do. I enjoy video games. I enjoy pro wrestling. I enjoy, you know, comic books and superhero movies and i'm 33 years old and i think that when i'm 63 years old i'll still enjoy those things and i don't feel like i need to be because you know i make x amount of dollars which i do very well for myself that you know i, I should become this hoity-toity um young black professional like that that's not who i am am i professional in my profession absolutely i am but I'm also a fucking nerd who likes video games and likes to likes to, you know, play spades and like to still drink out the bottle of Hennessy and, and, and shit like that. And I don't feel like I should have to change the things about myself that I like and I enjoy. I ain't hurting nobody. My bills paid. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm taking care of myself. I'm taking care of my family. I represent myself in the appropriate way so that my nephews are proud of me and things like that. So I'm not finna concern myself with what niggas who don't make this shit around me run. I'm not concerned about what those people think anymore. So, you know, I had to get a new passport because I hadn't been out of the country since I went to Brazil a little bit over 10 years ago. So um, I had to get a new passport um, and just going through the whole process and trying to learn a little bit of the language, finding the different wards. I was able to, uh, you know, do some research and find out that the most, uh, the ward that is most kind of fitted with American culture is, is a ward called Shibuya. Cause I mean, like, you know, here in America, we have, um, we have kind of like neighborhoods and things like that, or we may have small cities within a larger major metropolitan area. And it's sort of like that, but they call them wards. Um, and Shibuya is a ward in West Tokyo that has a lot of like hip hop clubs and, you know, universities and colleges and things like that. So you're more apt to see, um, see black folks. And so I was like, at first I was going to, um, stay downtown, but then I was like, you know what, let me go stay with some motherfuckers that, that, you know, kind of look like me and be kind of swagged out like I am. So, um, I'm going, uh, I'm going to go see the see everything and I'm um in the process of uh trying to get a uh a stabilizer for my um my iPhone so I can um you know just kind of like film and kind of vlog a little bit while I'm there and then put it all together and put it up on YouTube so you know I'm excited about everything that I'm doing it's like super cool I'm I never thought in a million years you know I dreamed you know, all this time that I was going to make it to, to Tokyo, but I never thought that it was actually going to come to pass. And lo and behold, now it was like a week and a half out. And, you know, I've got shit all on my floor. I, I've got this new this new book bag that has a, a charging port attached to it for my phone and my iPad and all this kind of stuff. I'm buying a stabilizer. I've got uh, swimming trunks for the for the hot spa. Um, <laughs> and I got my luggage sitting on the floor because even though it's like a, a week and a half out, I need to go ahead and start prepping for all of this shit now. So, you know, I'm, um, I'm in the process of doing all of that. And it's just like, it was like, wow, like, yeah, this, this shit is really finna fucking happen. Can you, you know, so shout out to, uh, Andy booze. I mean, um, uh, I'm just looking on my Facebook live and I saw Andy booze hopped on. Um, oddly enough, Andy, Andy and I have known each other since, uh, elementary school. Um, shout out to San Mateo elementary when we used to kick it at the cafeteria tables and make up lies about all the stuff that we saw on, uh, Mortal Kombat. You know, we'd be like, yo, I saw this purple, uh, Mortal Kombat character. The shit had didn't even exist yet. We just sitting in there talking shit about just making some shit up. And, um, but yeah, Andy, I mean, we, we talked about this kind of stuff, even when, even, you know, back then in fourth grade, fourth and fifth grade, we were talking about, 
you know, how we, one day we would go to Japan and, and, and see all the stuff in all of those Nintendo Power magazines that we were stealing out of the, out of the library, um, you know, and man, now I'm getting to do it. And it's crazy. It's, I, I can't believe it. Like I, I can't believe that I'm going to get to see and experience some of the things that I'm going to get to see and experience. Um, but I'm going to take it all in and I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going alone. Um, you know, my mom is completely against that, which on the low, my mom a little, mom could be a little racist on the low. <laughs> Why you want to go over there? <laughs> but, but I mean, I got to kind of, I kind of got to experience all of this shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to die with my only perception of what the world is being the, the American perspective from American news. Like there's so much more to this shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's find out what's really popping. You know what I'm saying? The only way you can find out what's really popping is to walk your ass out there. And you know, in the middle of, in the middle of Tokyo go, yo, what's popping my nigga. (laughs) What's really hood. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I'm excited about about all of that. Now, you know, a, a lot of people go, I guess maybe a lot of people might think that it's kind of weird that I'm doing an episode with no features and just sort of rambling. But I mean, that's the purpose of podcasting. What is what is podcasting at its core? Even if I didn't necessarily have a particular agenda that I usually go by as it relates to my podcast, at the core of podcasting, what's it about? It's about believing that you have something worth saying and that you have a voice that people want to listen to and are engaged by. And in that being true, if that is true for you, uh, you know, you just get out and you kind of express yourself. I mean... I'm, I I like to think that over time I've kind of become this person that, you know, people respect and they respect my point of view and things like that. And if they don't, they don't. But even in that, I think that, you know, the haters, if you want to call those people who don't respect my point of view, the haters, I think that, um, you know, they like to spend a lot of time perusing my social media and reading what I have to say, too. You know, they got to find something to hate on. So I, I I podcast because it makes me feel better. I podcast because I enjoy it. Um, I'm passionate about it. And it's, a, and it's a medium that I think works for me at this point in my life. Um, from the music perspective, it provides me a platform to be able to still be involved in a certain capacity without it having to consume my day-to-day existence. Um I'm happy with the way that I do things now. So I'm excited for what all it's going to bring. Um, I do have a couple of uh, interview podcasts that are coming down the pipeline. Um, I do need to get back with DJ Suave because I know that we were supposed to do an episode and that didn't happen. Um, I need to get with Desmond Demps, who uh, is the worst person in the world to catch up with. (laughs) Um, I, I have, um, I have his interview, his, uh, interview, uh, question saved on my computer and I'm just waiting to actually get him on the phone so that we can sit down and do it. He is the worst person to catch up with. Um, so if anybody, uh, listens to this and is, has, and has a relationship with Desmond, feel free to tag him and go, why you ain't never called Brandon back so he could do the interview. And I know Desmond means well. I know I know he's not ducking me. You know, um, I know he just gets busy and he gets he's easily distracted. It's like it's like a dog seeing a frisbee. You know what I'm saying? And then looking and seeing a squirrel, squirrel. Like you know, it's very much so that way. Um, you know, working on some other folks, um, trying to get some nappy boy interviews and things like that, but. You know, like with anything else, a lot of this stuff is challenging where you got to reach out to folks and they hit you back and then your schedule doesn't line up with theirs and then the hurricane happened and everything's just kind of been crazy. Um, You know, uh, shout out to those that have experienced uh, Hurricane uh, Harvey down in Houston and, uh, you know, Louisiana and Mississippi and and all of that area Um, and uh, everybody currently experiencing Irma, you know, my thoughts and my prayers, um, you know, uh, I, I reached out to a lot of folks, make sure folks was, was all right and everything like that. Um, you know, 
checking in with my frat brothers. I know Nelson got out of there. Um, he got out of Jacksonville. I know it had been real crazy. Um, you know, I've seen some people online. Uh, I think Latoya Davenport decided to stick it out, and it's down there in uh, the the South Florida area, sticking it out. So, hoping everybody's okay down there. Um, I know that it looks like the hurricane started to come towards West Florida by Tampa and stuff like that. So I know I checked in on uh, Yana Adams. Um, was that Friday? And um, you know, I don't think that originally it was going to be that bad that way, but now it looks like it's more coming towards towards her way. So wishing nothing but the best for all of those folks currently uh, currently having to go through that. Um, you know, if uh, if anything happens to any of your goods or belongings, we hope that we hope and pray that. You know, it's nothing too serious and something that you can definitely recover from. And uh, I'm going to keep working and keep grinding, guys. Uh, may not be any uh, any episodes between now and the end of the month, given that given when I'm going to Japan. If I can get some stuff in this next week, I, maybe I will. Um, shout out to Relic, who I'm looking at now, who was supposed to hit me up and let me know whether or not a date worked for him or not. But it's all good, Relic. I still love you, dog. Um and um you know just uh waiting on some new young trap too shout out to grand prix waiting on some new young trap ricky what's up um so for those of you that want to get in contact with me man you can hit me up on the email at est 1984 podcast at gmail.com you can also hit me up on the instagram at est 1984 podcast you want to hit me up uh personally you want to get in contact with me personally you can hit me up on my personal instagram at brandon kobe jacobs i am brandon kobe jacobs and you have been listening to the established 1984 podcast take care Born August 17, 1947, Willie Bernard Jacobs' story has its roots in a similar vein of many young black men who are a product of the racially divided 50s and 60s. But his accomplishments and overall impact transcends many of his counterparts. Today, we celebrate 70 years of Willie Jacobs, and we do so with style, with class, and with the flair that only Jake can bring. And most of all, we do it with love. And we'll start, well, where it all starts. With him. Good morning or evening, friend. Here's your friendly announcer. time I was around Mr. Jacobs he had a, a, a good smile about him good little laugh about him he was very calm you know and a uh, hard-working man it seemed like work was something that he was going to wake up and do so when I heard that he retired I was like so what's he going to do now um, but I, I, I appreciate the man that he is the father that he is and and the husband that he is uh, it helped me grow as a man and uh, helped me grow as a father. So, happy birthday, Mr. Jacobs. Hope you enjoy. Happy birthday, Mr. Jacobs. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Your family is very, very lucky and blessed to have you. I wish you many more healthy years filled with joy and happiness. I come here tonight and plead with you. 
Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to the group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation proclamation. Much like in the words of the great Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Willie Jacobs had to do for himself what no one else would be able to do, you see. The lessons taught to Willie have been the sort of lessons that only a man born of the highest moral fiber and impeccable character could endure. And it has been with those character traits and with the loss of his father at the tender age of 16 that Willie would sign his own Emancipation Proclamation through self-assertive manhood.
she said, um, why don't you go back inside, get your books, and go home. I went home. And she was right. I thought about it after, after I made it to Florida in the school. My name is Nicola Gibson. I want to say hello to Mr. Jacobs. Uh, it's been many, many, many years now since I've known the Jacobs family. I have been a part of the family as a friend of his daughter, as almost a daughter I felt myself. Uh, I lived in Mr. Jacobs or with the family for a while. And let me just say this one thing. I definitely see the true strength of a man in the love that you've had for your family, in the way you take care of your mother, your sister, in just the way that you've worked so hard. I've seen you at work, I've seen you at play, I've seen you in your home life, and I've seen how passionate you are about the work that you've done. I really am proud to say that as a man, you've taught me some very strong lessons about family and commitment. Um, I know that this is a, a very special day for you today. I definitely want to say that you deserve it. You are to be tributed, you are to be honored, and you are to be shown love. You have definitely gotten those messages across to me. I remember those special days, just getting a little tidbit or a little message from you and some words of encouragement, especially on those days when it was the hardest thing ever to wake up and continue to do the work that I do. But I know that just in everything you do, you've always tried to do the best. As a brother in Christ, you've also taught me some lessons about just staying committed to God. You have been a very good example even in that avenue. I know that there are many people in the room today that can say they celebrate the life that you live. And just to know how great you are and the wonderful works that you continue to do. I just want to say overall that I'm very proud to have been a part of your family and very, very proud to have been a part of your journey. I do pray God that there is so much more in the path for you and I hope that today just shows you once again how special you are. Love you Mr. Jacobs. Love you Jacobs family. Miss Jacobs, Candace, everybody. Thank you so much for always being who you guys are and how you guys have always been so welcoming and open to everyone that you know and love so dearly. We love you all. Mr. Jacobs, today is your day. Please make sure you feel just as special as you are to every single one of us. On this uh, special day, just wanted to be able to take a couple minutes here and just tell you how much I appreciate you, to uh, wish you a happy birthday, to tell you that uh, I'm very thankful to God that he put you in my life, that as I look around and, and think about you know who I am today and the man I've become, that I know that you paid a big part in that. Uh, you know I was raised right there along with Brandon and came to your house many many times and you know uh, no matter what might happen, I always felt like I had a a second home over there. Um, just wanted to let you know that again, just appreciate you, appreciate mom, um, appreciate everything you've done for me. Uh, I, I think about Proverbs twenty and seven. And uh, I'm reminded that a uh, righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. Just wanted to let you know that I count myself amongst the blessed Jacob's children. Uh, I've had a great father and a great father figure uh, to be able to just lead and guide in the right way. To be able to always be a straight shooter. To be somebody who I know will always tell me the truth whether I like it or not. And so uh, again, just want to tell you I love you. Tell you I appreciate you. Know that if you ever need me, you ever need the family, we're, we're just literally a phone call away, uh, text away, you know, Facebook message away, uh, carrier vision, smoke signal, whatever it takes, you know, we'll be right there for you. Uh, thank you for always being there for me and hope you have a happy birthday. Hey Willie, we just wanted to say hi. I personally wish I could be at your event. Uh, I'm sorry I can't make it, but we uh, wanted to tell you, you are remembered around here beautiful campus behind us thanks to you and your uh, participation and your initiatives many renovations many new projects uh, you did a great job when you were here and we really miss you and we all say congratulations and fair winds and following seas that's an old navy term 
Good, good talking with you. Wish I could see you in person. July 27th, 1982, five days before my 20th birthday. Mom and Aunt Gloria went somewhere. Uncle Willie stayed at the house with us. We were just talking. A friend came by, Cardell, our friend came by and was just talking, talking, and he said he was going to get his license. Flipping me, I said, oh, my license expire. My restricts expire on Monday. And Uncle Willie looked at me and he said, what did you say? I'm like, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have said that. I said, oh, I said that out loud. Okay, those of you who are my age and older, you should remember this financial commercial, E.F. Hutton. When E.F. Hutton speaks and in the commercial, everybody stops. And then it says, everybody listens. So, you know, secretly I used to call Uncle Willie E.F. Hutton. So then he said, what did you say? I'm like, oh, Uncle Willie, um, I can just take the bus. And he said, what sense does that make? See, I was terrified to take my driver's test. So he, he reached into his wallet. He took out $10 and he said, here, you go with him and you get your license and don't come back here without them. I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Went, did my course, and the lady said, park the car. I parked in a handicap section. And I said, oh no, I parked in a handicap. I said, am I going to get my license? She said, yes, you're the last customer. I'm tired. You're going to get your license. I said, okay, because I can't go home without my license. Got back to the house. Uncle Willie was still there. I'm like, oh my goodness. I said, Uncle Willie, I got my license. I got my license. He said, okay. I looked at him and I said, that's all he said. Okay. Like, you better have gotten those licenses. So, I want to say as terrified as I was to take that test and had my license expired, I probably would have gone a few years without them taking the bus. What sense does that make? Uncle Willie, love you so much. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. What can I say about Willie Jacob? Great man. Great man from the time I was a youth uh, up until now. Uh, and even, um, you know, before my father's passing, my father's Nathaniel Sellers. I am Nathan Sellers, uh, the son of Nathaniel Sellers, but I am the cousin of Willie Jacobs. And one of the things my dad always said about Willie, man, hardworking, humble man. And, you know, from the time we spent, what, our uh, family reunions in Jacksonville, always a humble, 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 humble gentleman, very welcoming, welcome us into his home, my wife, you know, my daughter at the time, and it was just a beautiful time, man. His spirit is just calming, just real cool, funny guy. Um, and my dad always had the utmost respect for him. And um, and for my dad to say that, and as much as I respect my dad, yeah, it spoke volumes. So happy birthday, Uncle Willie. So after so many loved ones expressed their love and admiration for Willie, I think it's abundantly clear that who he has always been is a man that is not simply about the accolades that come with hard work, but rather the hard work itself. Who he is will inevitably be defined by the good works he's done for his mother, his sister, his wife, his three beautiful daughters, 
and of course, his son. So, I guess they wanted me to go ahead and do a video, right? So, uh, first of all, what's up, Dad? <laughs> um, you know, as we're sitting here uh, celebrating your 70th birthday, um, I just wanted to take a moment uh, to recognize you, to let you know how much you're loved and appreciated, um, and share a little bit about, you know, what my relationship has been with you for the past 33 years. And, you know, I think it goes without saying, man, um, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride. And, um, you know, when I was a, a young man, you worked a lot. I didn't get to see you as much as I think. Like now, looking back on it at, at, at 33, I didn't get to see you as much as I probably wanted to, which probably led to some of the conflicts that we had. Um, but what I can say without about you without any hesitation is that you always uh, you always wanted the very best for me, uh, for my sisters, uh, for my mother. You know, so you know any. Uh, frustrations I may have had growing up, you know, that's just, I think that's just children being children, you know, they always want more from their parents. They want more, they want more, they want more. Um, but you have nothing to be regretful of or ashamed of as it relates to how you raised us and, and anything like that, because, um, you've been a man of the highest order. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. We were at, um, we were at the Gator Bowl for a Rattler game. I had to be like seven, eight, something like that. And you took me out to a Rattler game that was in Jacksonville. And um, I just saw how, you know, people were gravitating towards you. It was just crazy because, you know, we're we're sitting in these seats, you know, like general admission sort of seats or whatever. But you got people who are walking across, you know, rows of seats just to shake your hand because they remember you as Jake you know, playing ball for Florida A&M and just the impact that you left on them. As I got older, I met tons of guys, you know, in the streets and things like that, that just wouldn't deal with me because they was like, nah, your, your dad don't want you out here, man. You know, you, you know, you're, what you Jake, son? Nah, man, we can't rock with you, man. You gotta, you gotta go home, man. Jake, Jake would be upset with us if we had you out here like this. So, I mean, I think I learned a lot about you um, from other people and I want you to know that you know, everything that you've, that, you know, I learned from you, you know, about watching you and the things that I learned from the streets completely line up and you've been a man of the highest character and of the highest order. Um, I, I wouldn't be here without you. You got me out of so much stuff. I, I've told the story in my books and I've told the stories on podcasts and the friends and things like that. Um, you know, first time I got arrested, you were the first one there. And, um, you know, you picked me up, took me home, and you asked me what I wanted to do with my life. And I don't think you realized just how much that resonated with me then. But it definitely did. And I didn't get everything right the day after that or anything like that. But it changed my life in a lot of ways. And it's something that's always stuck with me. And, you know, what you did for me, um, you know, after everything that happened to me in 2010, um, you know, dying in the hotel lobby and having to be resuscitated and all of that kind of stuff. You know, that's that's stuff that, that nobody should have to deal with. But a real man, a real father like you, you know, you you helped pull me out of the muck in the miry clay. And I'll be forever indebted to you for that. Um, I want you to know that no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances, um, I will always uh, aspire to live up to be at least a piece of the man that you are. Um, you know, and just know that I've learned that I've learned that I'm responsible not only for my sisters, but to my sisters and for my mother and to my mother. And I learned that from watching you, dad. I love you. Happy birthday. I'm <laughs> sorry.